0: to PA Centered,
1: a podcast designed to help listeners be a part of the solution to end sexual harassment, abuse, and assault. Each episode, we will take on a topic or current event to help spark conversation and break down barriers to building communities
0: free from sexual violence. Hi, everyone. I'm Kelsey Myers, the communications and public policy specialist at the Pennsylvania Coalition Against Rape. I'm your host for a new podcast series on PA Center, where we will be discussing policy issues. We are very creatively calling this segment Policy in Focus.
1: And hi, I'm Donna Greco, the policy director at the Pennsylvania Coalition Against Rape. In that role, I have the privilege of advocating for policy change with rape crisis centers and survivors in Pennsylvania in the Pennsylvania General Assembly.
0: Thanks so much, Donna, for joining us today to talk more about what you as listeners can expect when you tune into future episodes. The first thing I think we should tackle is why public policy is an important part of sexual violence advocacy. Obviously, Donna, you spend a lot of time working on behalf of victims, centers, and PCAR at the state capitol on public policy issues. So what do you work on? How does legislation affect advocates, survivors, and their families?
1: Yeah, thanks for asking that, Kelsey. The thing is that our laws touch every survivor and their family in so many different ways, whether or not certain actions of abuse or assault or crimes at all starts with legislation. There's a lot of public policy that can decide whether victims feel like it's possible or safe to go to court. By creating or changing certain laws, we can also make survivors' lives so much easier if they're involved in legal battles like divorces, custody hearings, or lawsuits. For some victims, that can be very relevant, but our scope is much wider than the courts or criminal justice. Laws decide the kinds of choices a survivor might have if their assault results in pregnancy. Legislation can be used to safeguard a victim's personal information from the public. Policy decides whether survivors get the health care they need, what kinds of legal options they can pursue, and whether they feel safe at work or at school. The number of ways that public policy can change things for better or worse is really infinite.
0: Thank you so much. That's like a really helpful way to start defining the scope of this segment. Um, I do think for our listeners, most of the time, when people think about the advocacy community um, like us and like PCAR and our centers, I think they picture therapists, healthcare care providers, um, safe shelters or support groups, more direct service. Does public policy come into play with any of those kinds of things that people would have in mind?
1: Yes, absolutely. A lot, actually. Our centers receive grants and funding from the government in order to provide the critical services that they offer throughout Pennsylvania, and that is all shaped by public policy. When the government makes decisions about where to send money and where to prioritize money, how much to give, what it should be spent on, that is all related to public policy, and we all have a voice in that. Grants can also be used to fund trainings and community initiatives that prevent sexual assault from happening in the first place. These grants also fund our first responders that Uh, work in the sexual assault response teams locally throughout Pennsylvania. So absolutely, public policy shapes all of those types of services um, that you mentioned before, Kelsey.
0: How does legislation affect advocates, survivors, and their families?
1: Thank you for asking that, Kelsey. When we think about how public policy affects survivors and their families, there are just so many different ways, and we know that You know, from the options that are available to a survivor after an assault, to what their rights are as they go forward, to what types of victims' compensation programs and resources are available to survivors, it really is endless. It touches every aspect of their life Um, when we think about health care, mental health care, legal options, you know, whether they feel safe at work, whether they have options at work, and whether they feel safe at school. um, We really know that public policy affects survivors really holistically in their lives.
0: So I'm sure that the audience would be super interested. And I think you mentioned that there are laws that can help prevent assault before it actually happens. And Um, I definitely think that's something people would be very interested in. Can you tell us a little bit more about laws or public policy that would actually prevent assault?
1: Yeah, thanks for that question. Um, When we think about the full scope of PCAR's mission to eliminate all forms of sexual violence as well as to advocate for the rights and needs of all survivors, it's really important that our public policy priorities are reflective of that broad mission. And there is so much we can do to prevent sexual violence from happening in the first place through public policy advocacy. We know that sexual violence occurs in the context of oppression. And so if we really are going to be successful at ending sexual violence, we must move upstream and we must understand and uproot those social conditions that make sexual violence occur in the first place. And that prevention work is about attitudes, knowledge, beliefs, and action, and really helping to equip people at the individual level in the context of their relationships, in the context of their communities, in the organizations and settings where they learn, where they pray and worship, where they work, where they recreate, and all of all of that goes into the vibrance of their, their community life, making sure that they have the skills they need at that level, as well as really you know, zooming out and looking at the broad social norms and laws and policies that influence sexual violence. So prevention is a very broad area of our work. It happens in schools, but it's not limited to that setting. Um, There's something everyone can do in their community to stop sexual violence from happening, whether you're a, a healthcare provider and you do regular screenings as a pediatrician to, you know, know the, warning signs of abuse with with children and their families, Um, whether you're a school teacher and you're talking to elementary school students about respect and character development and honoring people's boundaries and consent and making sure that you are instilling those those positive norms with young people that they can then carry into their lives. Um, Whether we're looking at Title IX and we're looking at higher education and and making prevention uh, mandatory in higher education, there are so many things that we can be doing at those sort of outer layers of our society to really stop sexual violence in the first place.
0: I think a lot of what you just discussed would be considered to a lot of people more uh, cultural change um, and they wouldn't see it as much in terms of public policy, specifically what types of, of laws or policies would help accomplish that?
1: Yeah, it's really interesting when we think about the role that public policy can play in shaping people's perceptions, which then shape our culture. And so specific policy efforts like Promoting affirmative consent curricula in schools is a really concrete step that we can be taking in our legislation to prevent sexual violence from happening. Um, So shifting the dialogue with students from no means no to yes means yes and helping young people really understand what positive relationships look like and what affirmative consent looks like. Um, Legislation can make those kinds of changes more standard and far reaching. Uh, When we think about laws that also ensure that doctors and nurses are trained to recognize and respond to signs of possible abuse, this is an intervention that can prevent the violence from continuing. Um, legislation can ban dangerous practices like child marriage, where we know so many people are at risk for ongoing sexual violence in the context of forced marriage. Uh, We were really glad to see that change in Pennsylvania last legislative session. Um, And also requiring certain people like teachers to report signs of abuse to authorities. Also, again, help stop the cycle of abuse and get us to that, that goal of prevention. So there's so much we can do um, in school and beyond, Um, and PCAR is just so excited to talk with listeners more about that over the course of this podcast.
0: That's awesome. And I'm sure that for a lot of people, they think more about the kinds of service we would use to respond to an instance of assault, Um, and I'm sure that they're just as interested to know about how those laws can um, prevent assault from happening. Um, I think it's really important also for us to realize that survivors and advocates can find themselves in a lot of different situations with different needs and different paths to healing. Um, Clearly, we've talked about very broad range of legislation, very broad range of policy, and I think it's important for us to recognize that that is because assault can occur in so many different ways. Um, And so there are tons and tons of different um, policies and ideas and laws that can be passed that would prevent abuse in different situations um, and would improve the lives of survivors through legislation.
1: Absolutely, where do you think that leaves people who want to support advocacy knowing that there are so many different kinds of policies and laws that have impacts on survivors?
0: Honestly, I've been um, doing some level of public policy work for a while, and I think I've gathered from friends and family that it can be really overwhelming um, to know that you care about this issue and there are so many laws being discussed, it can feel like you can't possibly keep up. Um, And I think that that leaves people feeling like they don't know enough, even if um, these issues are things they care about deeply. Um, And I think that between all of the breaking news alerts that we're getting constantly, national elections, and then on top of that, if you look at the local or state level policy that we're discussing, there's just so much to keep up with. And I think that sometimes um, that makes all of these policies seem much more confusing than they actually are and much more impossible to keep up with.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I know that um, people can really feel intimidated in getting involved in public policy, and I'm so excited we're doing this podcast to help people like our family and friends and our colleagues, and most importantly, survivors, um, to help them really find their voice and know that they already have a voice and expertise they can tap into uh, to really inform the dialogue that surrounds public policy. So, Kelsey, where do you see this podcast helping?
0: Um, Well, we are planning on doing a deep dive into one particular issue in each episode of the series. So we're going to talk in a little bit more detail about laws, policies, and related issues that have a big impact on advocates, survivors, and all of us. Um, we know that sometimes issues are brought up all the time, but then not always explained in a way. So it's easy to understand, like you'll hear something referenced a million times and still not be totally sure what it is because no one stopped to explain. We also know that there are issues that survivors or advocates find really important, but the rest of the community hasn't really heard much about. Um, we're hoping that by tackling one particular issue in depth, every episode, that our listeners can get a better idea of some of the policies that they'll care the most about that would do the most for the survivor and advocacy community. Well,
1: I'm excited. In my role, I've found that so many people care about our work, including our public policy work, but they don't always feel empowered to take action. And, like I was saying earlier, the truth is that everyone really should feel like they have a voice in public policy because we all carry experiences and information that really matters to legislators, their staff, and other stakeholders that are working in the legislature to improve sexual violence laws. And I completely understand that with the 24-hour news cycle, pundit speak, and viral movements, it can feel very easy to think that your voice just isn't important or good enough or educated enough or that it'll be lost in the noise. And I'm really hopeful that by learning a little bit more about these issues and doing that deep dive into these focused areas, like you said, people will feel more empowered to contact their representatives and to talk with them with confidence about the kind of public policy that is right for them and for their communities, and most importantly, for victims of sexual abuse and assault. So as we look ahead to our next few episodes, is there anything in particular that our audience can look forward to hearing about?
0: Well, next episode, we're gonna be discussing anonymous reporting in the context of the forensic rape exam. Um, More commonly, it's known as taking a rape kit. I think that that's often what people refer to it as. Um, We're gonna talk about why it's so so important to have the option to report anonymously in that format and also why sometimes giving that option can be a little bit difficult to um, offer. So we're going to talk more about some changes to the law that could help with that situation.
1: That is wonderful. I am definitely looking forward to hearing more. And we want to thank our listeners so much for joining us in this first Policy and Focus podcast, which is part of the PA Centered podcast. To learn more, please join us and tune in next time.